Let's play D and D. friends welcome to the rule of cool podcast i'm nathan and i'm morgan and uh we're just a couple of D nerds who want to talk about uh something awesome so we started this podcast and uh well now you're here yeah i mean what's better than a couple of nerds sitting at their computers at home <laughs> talking about an rpg tabletop game <laughs> social distance friendship Yes, social distance friendship. We're way social distance. Opposite sides of the country social distance. Um, But that makes it more fun. I'm so glad. You can't get me with that 10-foot pole and (laughs) your starting starting adventure is back. Right. Um, So, like I said before, we put a poll out on our Discord and the overwhelming response we had was for building homebrew worlds. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Yeah, we we're we're homebrew worlds is <laughs> words. What are they? <laughs> How do they words. work? Um <clears throat> yeah, so we're gonna talk about building homebrew worlds, um, kind of uh what that means. Um and I mean really the the first thing to think about when I you know, when I talk to somebody about building a homebrew world is where do you even start? Because it seems so daunting. I know for me, when I was first building my homebrew world, I'm just like looking at information about other people's homebrew worlds, looking at what I've seen on TV for different kinds of universes that have been built around TV shows. And it's kind of just like, okay, what's the first step? Because yeah, I get I have ideas, but how do you even start something like this? <laughs> um, and me and Morgan had kind of been like looking at like a couple of like points of like where where at least we see like a lot of people starting is maps first. Do you create the world physically, um, or do you start with like your story aspects first? Is there yeah. Um, important details about the world that are going to shape it so deliberately that you start with the kind of facts and the, the story first. Um, <clears throat> Morgan, have you ever created a homebrew world? I don't actually know the answer to this. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, in the first session that we had, the first podcast, I talked about the fact that I've never played a module. Um, I've only ever played homebrew worlds. And so everything I've ever done is homebrew, yeah. which is exciting, but also kind of scary. Um, I think I have six different homebrew worlds. That just um, seems wild to me. <laughs> yeah, I have like six different homebrew worlds and I have about 12 different stories um, for each not for each, but 12 different stories between those six worlds. And I've done both things. I've started with a map first and I'm like, this is what I want the world to look like. It looks like this. And then I'm like, all right. So based off of this world, 
this is a story. Yeah. And I've also had, this is my story. I have this idea. I have this theme. I have this plot hook. And I need a world to build around it to make it make sense. Yeah. So the first thing is, you can do either one. You can do either. You can start with either and make a really great homebrew story. Um, but I mean, there's really not a right answer to yeah to even where do you start? It's wherever wherever it stems your creative juices. So, I mean, for some people, that's going to be the story stuff. Was yeah. there some sort of cataclysmic event that like literally shaped the terrain of this world? You know, that's going to be like a major effect that if you make a map first, you're not going to get to. Like, is that something yeah. that's like very crucial to your story? Um, and then for other people, making that map and like looking at this world that has, you know, mountain ranges and oceans and rivers and lakes and cities, yeah. you're going to be able to go, okay, well, now I want a city here. And now, uh, oh, there would probably be a city over here because it's really close to this, um, you know, and things like that. And kind of like, I think for that, like more analytical mind, you can mm -hmm. really start to break things down when you're looking at something like that. Yeah. And before we go too much farther, I do want to say um, shout out to two of our friends that suggested um, we talk about the homebrew idea in the first place. So the first one is um, on Discord. She is Random Person H2O. Um, she is a very dear friend of ours, a very, very brilliant person. And the, the second, uh, the best. And the second is another very good friend, uh, Mod Mayhem, also known as Alyssa. Um, another great friend of ours, one of our mods. Um, I, I am so grateful for you two. Thank you for suggesting this idea, and thank you to those who voted for it. Back to homebrew stuff. Um, uh, another, this is what uh, this, this is, stream is. <laughs> it's chaos. <laughs> a adding to the disclaimer of, um, you know, the a separate disclaimer to this episode. Uh, we're not experts on how to do this because there's not oh, one no. way to do this. There's there's some things that I, I could consider myself to talk with a little bit of authority on. This is one that like... I have a lot of ideas about I've I've done I have experience in but like there's so many different ways to do this to to build a homebrew world that like we're barely going to scratch the surface. Yeah. So <laughs> Hello Mod Madness. Yeah, shout out. So welcome to the chat. Shout uh, out the wild man. <laughs> um yeah, so let's let's jump in so yeah. where do you start so we already said you can start with a story you can start with a map starting with a map first i started with a map i i created a map um with I, you know i had ideas about what i was like looking to get out of it but i created a map and i've ran more than one game in the same thing and there can be like, uh, you know, for me, there's adjustment in the world between games. If you're not going to have them intersect in any way, if you like don't want them to intersect in any way. Yeah. You know, you can put a city in there that maybe doesn't exist for the other one. But I, I started with a map and started fleshing it out. I used uh, Incarnate, not a sponsor, but they're awesome. 
if, mm-hmm. if you haven't checked out incarnate it is an awesome map making program um and just specked out what this like main continent that i'm kind of starting um yeah you know my adventures on and created what i thought you know the layout of the land would be and then i started adding in um separate mountain ranges and then started adding in different woods so like where would there be more heavily wooded areas Mm -hmm. and then moved into okay like where on the planet is this like from okay is this area to the north like for like in my homebrew world it's it's much colder up north in the mountains um and to the north of the mountains um and then i like took the time to start plugging in cities and things where i was able to actually say okay here's the world once you have the world like surrounding as far as like what the shape of the land looks mm-hmm. you know for me I, I like built the whole continent and then i said okay where on this continent would a capital city be yeah. um you know and then i looked to like an area that's like near like a port area kind of thing an area where it would have you know you but like you have to kind of make that decision for yourself because like maybe some you know continent or where their capital is is like in the very center so that you're far away from the water so it's like you know farther away for like um invaders but like if it is you know if the city that you're trying to build as your capital uh does have a lot of trade with other parts of the world they would probably be near the ocean so that they can continue trade lines um yeah and you know i started plugging that in and then i said okay what's a few other main cities that you know immediately i want to have like the other big cities of this world boom 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 plug those in and then you know from there start to move in okay is there little towns around here okay Mm -hmm. who lives in this area would they have anything that i'd want built like that um and then i started to like flesh out the little things of like okay we would probably put this you know a little town in this area that's like kind of like a fishing area because it's like near like where the rivers like start to split off and things like that yeah um and then from there i'm like cool i'm looking at this map i have 10 cities i have (laughs) different areas and i can go all right uh city number one the capital name it boom right now start to flesh it out okay is there information about this city uh, I put them near the water because they have trade. That means that they interact with other people in the world. Where do they get the? Where do they trade from? Yeah. And, and I like to use that very like these facts are true about the world. So how do I justify them being true? Um, yeah. That's something that helps me personally create something when I when I create true facts and then have to justify them because I can't. I mean, you could. It would just be very lazy DMing to just be <laughs> telling your players that these things are true without any reason to them being true. Right. And I think that's something that's really important. If you're building a map and you throw a city here, a city here, a port here, your players are going to ask about them. And oh, you sure. better have an answer. Yeah. Because you can't throw something on the map and then say, oh, it's just this random little village like that 
why did you even put it there then? What's what's the reason for it being there? Players um, also always will think you're being shady. So if you tell them that, oh, that's that's just some place, don't worry about it. They're going to think be... you're being weird about it and being shady. And they're going to say, we want to go there. Right. <laughs> How and do then, we get there? And, and then that... you're going to be and then you're going to be scrambling as the DM because you just threw a random city into a map and had nothing planned for it. And guess what? They're going there this session. Yeah. Now you got to improv. How good are your improv skills? But yeah. uh... well, especially like if, you know, and then realistically, if if you're going to try to hide something in a city, I would say almost flush it out more. Be like, yeah, this is the you know city of this and this and they, they you know give them a bunch of information I'm like oh cool i get the picture i don't want to go there and then yeah. you can have crazy things happening in that city but if you yeah if you give them the oh that's not you know it's kind of like oh don't look at that like don't look behind me like this is this is obscured from your view they're like wait what what is that what's over there i must see the other side yeah yes don't plan things don't plan things don't make things unless you're gonna have a plan for them um, make sure that whatever you end up doing, you have something to back it up. Even if it's like they're going to meet this like not super important NPC, at least have that for them. Yeah. You know, um, give them something because you gave them that hint. And even if it wasn't a hint, they're going to think it is. So... Oh, yeah, players are always uh, flat out. Just players are always going to think you're being a shady DM. That's just that's just the way of D and D. There, even you could be a very bad DM. Your players may not realize it and just think that you're being weird about things and think that you're hiding things from them. And players love to think that they have. And like I love to do this too. Like this, this isn't an insult to being a player. Like. Players love to figure it out. <laughs> Players love yeah. the idea that they got it. They figured it out before anyone else. So if if you do weird things or make things seem weird and they think that they can get get past it and like figure it out above you, they're going to be stoked to do that. And they're going to try to do it. And then you're going to be scrambling. Yeah. So we talked about doing map first. Yeah. Um. Now, let's talk about story first. And I have a little bit more experience in this because I've done things where I make the story first. And I'm going to talk about something that we can touch on a bit later on in the stream slash podcast. But when you start with a story, there's a couple different ways you can go about it. So do you start with a hook? or an overarching plot, or do you start with a theme and build from there? I've done both of these things. Um, I made a one-shot that I am currently developing into a full campaign um, that is based off of (laughs) Dimension 20. Um, Dimension 20, I love your ideas. Uh, Not a sponsor. I just love you. And... um, It's set in high school. The campaign is set in high school. Um, The players are high school students. And stuff happens. Now, the very important thing I did with this is I did not steal any intellectual property with that. Um, And we could talk about that later. But I just want to establish that. Um, It's a very important thing. But 
I started with the theme. So with that campaign, the theme was you're in high school, you're adventurers, you're solving problems. And from there, I went, okay, they're high schoolers. Um, what is a trope that high school has? Well, the teachers have a secret. So I built a plot hook on the teachers having a secret. Um, this is going to ruin a little bit of campaign for my players, um, but we're probably never going to get to this part anyways. So <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Now you're getting um, our next session. Yeah. Next session, you guys, is going to be wildly different from what I'm about to tell you because I'm rewriting the campaign. But originally what it was is that um, the teachers hid a bestiary downstairs and in the basement of the school. And in this bestiary, there's lots of different uh, characters, uh, lots of different monsters, um, some of them humanoid, some of them monsters, animals. Um we will finish it. You'll finish the campaign. You just won't finish it the way that I originally intended because I'm rewriting it. Um, but that was the whole thing. So, right, I have the theme. I have the players. I have the plot hook. I have the NPCs. So now I needed to build the world. So what does the world look like? Well, it looks like your average, like, I styled it in, like, the 80s, like, 80s high school um, classic tropes with, like, the cheerleaders, the jocks, the nerds, etc. Um, and I had... Call me out like that. Huh? <clears throat> I said, don't call me out like that. The nerds. <laughs> I mean, I am too. Um, I... So, I took that story, I took the plot hook, I took the theme, and built a school well what do i need in order to further my plot i need teachers so i needed to figure out what teachers i wanted to utilize well i'm going to have a guidance counselor i'm going to have a principal i'm going to have a gym teacher i'm going to have a cafeteria lunch lady i'm going to have all of these things so then i need to build the rooms for them Okay, the first yeah. floor, I'm going to have the principal's office. I'm going to have the gymnasium. I'm going to have all of these classrooms. The second floor, I'm going to have the cafeteria. I'm going to have more classrooms, labs. And then I thought, well, we're set in the D&D &D world. Everybody's in the D&D &D world. And so instead of like chemistry you have alchemy you have an alchemy classroom instead of biology you have an herbology classroom for druids um things like that and now there were some rooms that i was just like man it's a classroom it's a lecture room but i went through and i labeled every room and said okay this is this room this is the, this is the herbology lab this is the alchemy lab this is the rogue room where it's all padded so you can roll around and bounce off of walls and shit this is the monk classroom um where it just has a bunch of training dummies set up um the cafeteria is set up in a way that you know, it encourages students to sit together and 
talk to each other, but really you have like a table of jocks, a table of cheerleaders. And I labeled those tables even. Like this table is where the jocks are going to sit. This table is where the cheerleaders are going to sit and so on and so forth. So I put so much detail into this that if a character or if a player character said, well, if they wanted to go to a particular classroom or they wanted to go to a particular area, I would know exactly where that would be in the school. Um, I would know all different things. Now, there were some things that I that were an oversight because they hid in one of the classrooms, even though I was trying to force them out of the building. Uh, pointed look at the camera. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, players in my campaign <laughs> that are in the chat right now. Um <laughs> Sounds awesome. I want to join that campaign. Shots fired. Thank you. Uh, shots fired. They tried to hit, hide in this classroom and they were like, are there any cabinets I can hide in? And I was like, I don't. Okay. And I rolled a D20 and I was like, in my head, I was like, odds, no, evens, yes. And of course I rolled an 18. So I was like, all right, yeah, there's cabinets along the ground that you can hide in. They're just big enough for you to fit in as a gnome. Um, <laughs> and... Then I ended up having to come up with something to, like, keep them locked in the room. It was a nightmare. Anyways, um, <laughs> my players are chaotic, just as chaotic as me. Uh, I'm a rogue. That's what I do. I know. But uh, I tried to force you out of the building, and you wouldn't go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I... So starting from the story, sometimes you can miss map elements. Um, they, they went outside and I was like, oh, wasn't really thinking about the outside. I was thinking about the <laughs> school because that's where the entire plot takes place. All the things so, happen here. All the things happen here. So then I was like, all right, well, now I have to like set up the town. Um, and now I'm at the point where I have set up uh, the full town, the nearby villages, the school. I set up a 7 where you buy magical snacks and <laughs> like things like that because it's an 80s high school. Yeah. Um, so just around just a block away from the school, you can run down to this 7-Eleven, which I'm renaming it, but that's basically what it is, to get like a slushy of speed. And it's essentially like us a, a 7-Up slushy, but it's a potion. Right. So, sounds like it has drugs in it to me. <laughs> sounds like it has drugs. Need to make a new character and play this game ASAP. Um, well, I have to finish building the story. I finished building the map, but I haven't finished building the story. <laughs> um, I love that you guys are so excited to play it, though. That makes me very happy. Um, well, so kind of going back to the world building stuff on this, um, and this relates back to both aspects of what we talked about for Morgan, although it wasn't in the eighties, Morgan's been to high school. You have yeah. some idea of what a high school like looks like. And like, this is, this is what you should do in world building is use your experience and knowledge about something to create something. You can't come up with something completely out of nowhere. You have to have right. some relevance to it. And even when I talked about making things with a map, I'm making a world that I've never seen before that like is completely, I'm still using ideas from 
my knowledge of how the real world works to or how other worlds that have been built work to put those things in there i know that up in the mountains like on a mountain it gets cold when you go up high and it's snowy and cold there that's just real world knowledge that i you know and if you want to like totally change that up if there's deserts at the top of your mountain i mean that's on (laughs) you i'm not it's a fantasy world but when you're trying to bring that realism and draw your players in also that's what's going to bring them into like oh this is real like i can imagine this because this this is how this works and when i say for you know my homebrew world the our main capital city called the keep it's like right on like this kind of bordering curve like port area right next to the ocean that they're able to do trade out of okay why 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 would i think that that would be a good spot for there to be trade well because in the rural world, port cities are not in the middle of the land and they don't transport to the ocean and then go somewhere, you know? And yeah, like, you know, maybe someday I'll share with everybody like the, you know, some people are <laughs> in my game so they know, but I'll share my homebrew world map with everyone. The area it's located, not only is it near the ocean, like spreading off, there's a main river that like cuts through most of the continent. Um, heading down towards some of the bigger cities at the southern end of the continent, it would be also a great place so that you can either by foot travel down the main roads of the continent, or like the way that I have thought about this is that a lot of the big trade stuff would be able to travel down this river because boat travel is a lot faster than by land. Um, and be able to travel down this river to get down to some of these other large cities and kind of expedite some of that travel and things like that. That's one of the reasons that it's like such a good spot for a big capital city that's like the major port hub of the Mm -hmm. continent is not only does it have that access to trade with the rest of the world, but it has easy access to other places. And when you think back to um like i think like a really good example of this honestly is if you think back into like um like it like in egypt like um through the nile they would try you know all there would be things that were like transported through the river very deep into egypt that would be extremely hard to traverse and like especially ancient egypt times that they made possible by traveling along the nile and like that's like that's kind of the idea like using that like real world knowledge of like this made living in these areas that are much farther from everything else even a realistic possibility because of the land and yeah. using that knowledge of like how things work and because i have knowledge of that really being true i can put that into my homebrew world and the same thing with Morgan talking about high school you have an idea that Okay, what's in a high school? Are there lockers in a high school? Probably, you know, like, is when you went to high school, is the principal's office like up on the second floor back by some like of the labs? No, it's probably like towards the front because parents have to come in and like visit the, you know, the office or the principal or things like that. They don't put it in this weird part of the school. Using that like real world knowledge that like really grounds your homebrew world is is super important because 
it brings realism and that suspension of disbelief into your world and put your characters or your players into it. All right. So we have gone over. How do you start with a story or with a map? And I feel like we delved into that pretty well. Um, but what what details are important? What details define your homebrew world? Yeah, because there's going to be things that are shaping to not only the culture, the people, the story. There can also be things that shape the land of your thing. If you're if you're going to make a map, but you want to have this like massive cataclysmic event that happened there or a war or something like that that's like decimated some villages and things like that like and you know or you're gonna have like long time ago there's gonna be wars where now there's runes on this land um players if they come across it are gonna want to find out about um where these runes and things came from like if you want to include some cool runes you're gonna have to say okay something happened here to cause these ruins i just need to take a second to say i love how you say ruins because it sounds like you're saying r-u-n-e-s runes um because you just like forget that i (laughs) (laughs) i just speak i I know know, but it just cracks me up every time you say it i'm like runes these runes you mean these ruins (laughs) These sigils? <laughs> the, the sigils. These sigils. <laughs> Nathan. <sighs> Anyways. If there was a war, you know, how long ago was it? Or yeah. some other event. How long ago was it? And yeah. who were the major like parties in that war? Was it two-sided? Was it five-sided? Was it Game yeah. of Thrones style? where it's family v family or like what is it well and the thing with that is we've already kind of touched on this topic of relating things to the world world to bring that sense of realism and the suspension of disbelief if there was a war usually if there's two warring parties and one wins uh one of them is probably still there and they're Mm -hmm. probably in charge um and are they still in charge do they you know was this war that happened here so long ago that it's been destroyed in another war or is it the you know the winners of that war still rule the continent you know maybe it was a thousand years ago but they're you know now their descendants are kings or queens or um, some sort of ruler, an emperor, whatever you want it to be, distantly down the line. It's because of that war that happened here. And to that extent, so there was a war. There were two parties. You now have the winner is the ruler, and they banished the other. Well, did they completely banish them? Or is that other party in hiding growing stronger? Um, and is yeah. is the events that your party your player character party might do are those events things that could lead to another war between these same two parties um do they sympathize do they sympathize with the current kingdom or do they sympathize with the banished kingdom 
um little little things like that and that doesn't even have to be like the main plot arch right that can be a side quest thing where you're like traveling in the woods and you happen upon this encampment and they ask you if you want to join well now you have allies but it's a faction yeah now you have allies but you're gonna be hunted by the kingdom for it you know yeah um and that adds a really interesting aspect and what's interesting about that is when you when you think back to the like long time ago war that happened right there's a really interesting dynamic that can happen of you deciding what kind of people and culture comes from something like that because that's just the case of how it's always been in in major wars that like destroyed civilizations and kingdoms and things like that if you think about maybe this continent was previously like an elven nation right Mm -hmm. and this human army from another continent you know like this is very like lord of the rings as kind of i don't particularly run my games like this but maybe they like kind of came in conquered but then they didn't like they didn't kill all the elves they just were getting rid of the elven leadership because they were like causing crazy magical cataclysmic events and now humans and elves live here together and their cultures thrived because they work together now and maybe it's 10,000 years later and like no one talks about the war between humans and elves specifically because they're just all now people they just all live together now this is this is just the world they live in now but at one point those cultures merged uh, because of that war because usually like i said if you bring that realism back into it after a war that's that's usually what happens like yeah. two you know you don't i mean and look in the real world, especially, I guess in a D&D world, if you wanted to be very gruesome, the warring party, like the attacking party, could just kill every last bit of this, you know, except for a small faction of people maybe that hid. Yeah. You could do something like that. But usually in a war, you, you fight until one side decides to give up because they've been overdone. And then those people, you know, they don't just start walking through murdering every single last person. They, they have to find this middle ground where now maybe the people that were in charge are in charge before, but there's farmers and bakers and shopkeeps and, you know, blacksmiths and things that aren't, I mean, they're not warriors. They're just people yeah. that live in this area that now have to combine into like a new rulership. Well, and going beyond that what features in the map shape the world so are you just a plains land like is the entire map just plains and you have cities thrown in are you in the middle of a forest and you have little villages or encampments instead or are you building an entire world where you know you have like separate countries and separate organizations separate factions because it it all depends on how deep you want to go into the lore and into the building um you can have a game of thrones style game but pack it into one small island or you can go like (laughs) I don't even know like what the example you can go like Hunger Games style 
where you have 12 to 14 factions all spread out over this country. Um, Or it could be like a tiny little island in the middle of nowhere where you have one faction that they belong to. Why should that tiny island across the sea regulate the price of tea? (laughs) Listen. (sighs) You can make your homebrew world anything that you want. Okay? Yeah. So, one of the biggest things that I do is I build it around my favorite things or things that inspire me. So, I talked a little bit earlier about uh, building my campaign, my world, based off of Dimension 20's Fantasy High. Not a sponsor. I love you, Brennan Lee Mulligan. Hit me up. Um, let's chat. D&D. That's all I want to talk about is D&D with you. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> shout out um or or some things that other people have done like breath of the wild i saw that in the chat earlier um yeah lord of the rings other published D content you can take a campaign that's already established like curse of strahd or um lost minds of fandelver and Make a homebrew based off of that. Here's the thing. You can do whatever you want as long as you're not profiting from it. If you don't try to publish it or make money from it, you can do whatever you want. Um, if you want if you want to run a D&D game where dice are involved, but you basically just do the entire plot of Star Wars, do it. Whatever. I, That's cool. I'll I play it. Let's been go. Kind of in one of those. Um I still rolled for things, but it basically was like you create a character and we pop it into episode two. Um, <laughs> it was was wild. It was a lot of fun. Just, just don't put don't put Morgan in any game with Kylo Ren because it will derail. It won't derail. <laughs> I will be a bard and I will pull some shenanigans. Um, here's the thing: I'm a Sith, and we all know it. Anyways, so. You can take whatever you want and put it into a homebrew world um, yeah. as long as you're not publishing it and making money off of it. That's that's the catch. Um, but there's no one way to make a campaign. And that's the easiest way to start if you're wanting to start building homebrew worlds. Take something that you love, i.e. Star Wars, um, something yeah. that you know a good deal about because you can't make like... I wouldn't be able to make something based off of DC superheroes because I like Marvel superheroes. Yeah. Um, and I don't know enough about the DC universe to be able to create something like that. So you have to use something that you geek out for 100% yeah. to be able to fully flesh out the world. Now, can you use ideas from all of them and incorporate them into your own story? Absolutely. Um, yeah. You can take... You can take Lord of the Rings, for example, um, and the premise of the story is they have to take this artifact to a specific location and dispose of it. Um, But it doesn't have to be Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to... We've we've said this already. There's not one way to do this. (laughs) There's, There's so many different ways to do it. These are just ideas of how 
we do things and what we look for um, as a basis. And one of like the big things to that that we haven't really touched on yet is for for us at the very least, like how much detail is even needed when you start building a homebrew world before you can play? Because there's, uh, I know earlier in the chats also saying that she had created an entire town on the fly in the middle of a game. <laughs> Sometimes you're just going to have to do things like that. Yeah. There's no way you can have every single aspect fleshed out fully before you start. It's just, I mean, it's unreasonable to one, put that much work on yourself. And if you're starting it from scratch, it's just going to take time. Like for somebody who has a homebrew world that say they've been running for 20 years. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's just already fleshed out from previous games and previous sessions and things that are like completely worked out. And you've like put all these little aspects in there. But if you start making a homebrew world today after listening to this episode Mm -hmm. and you get a local town, the local environment down, maybe a couple big cities that are near that the town that the adventurers might leave the town and go to at some point. That's really enough. I mean, you start small. Don't like if you stretch yourself and you're leaving, if you're trying to fill out every square inch of a map, (laughs) you're going to end up having not enough detail to make any of it interesting. Yeah. Take that first place that these people are going to start in and flesh it out like as much as you possibly can so that it's detailed and there's interesting NPCs to encounter and there's fun things to do and there's plot hooks that not only keep them in the town and the local area around the town but plot hooks that tie into the bigger cities and areas bigger areas around the world and then hooks that might lead them into meeting up with possible future allies or factions that their characters might be interested in put that work into that that starting point and then start to flesh it out and then this is the great thing about being a dm is that you you don't even have to show your hand that you are not as far prepared as you think as your players think you are they that's really i mean that's what it comes down to you can say like yeah you can totally go to that world and then you, they, they've got to travel there. They've got to get supplies. That's, you know, that's going to take an hour and a half. Uh, session's over. Next week, guess what I did all week? I prepped this next town. Yeah. You know, and you flesh out those details. And that's the biggest thing is it's important to have the basis of everything down before you start. But the beauty of homebrew is you get to use those improv skills and say they ask if there's someone they can talk to and you didn't really prep for them to ask about someone in a tavern other than like the bartender and the bard right um so you come up with a character on the fly and then you don't have to build that character to its entirety right there in that second but 
after the session ends, you can go back and say, all right, well, they talked to this person that I had to come up with because they wanted somebody else to talk to. How can I tie them into the story now? And how can I make this something that can either help them or hurt them later? Um, You know, do do you have a big uh, BBEG yet? Because guess what? You just found it. Right. And that's another thing. You don't have to have the BBEG when you start your campaign. Like you can start off with just encounters with little enemies. And then as the players go on, if they cross somebody, if they make a deal with somebody, um, then you can turn that person or one of that person's family members or allies or friends into the BBEG later. Um, well, and like for me, like this is something I don't even have. I would have to think a little bit more on to have a little bit more direct tips on how to do things. But this is something that makes my worlds to me more interesting is there are things happening in the world that have nothing to do with the party. If you're, especially if you're like one through five area level characters starting out, their story is not the defining factor of the world yet. It may be at some point, but at that point, whatever they're dealing with isn't the thing that's shaping the world and shaping the future of this place. There's, there's these other things going on. There's factions that are have their own conflict. There's cities that are having their own conflicts dealing with their leadership and the people may be upset or displeased with their rulers. And then there's evil creatures or monsters or people that are plotting to destroy things yeah. plotting to do these things they don't care about the adventures and then maybe you have a couple of those points but then say you have this crazy evil dragon that wants to burn towns down and the adventures run it off now that dragon's pissed maybe he becomes a big bad guy right. because he they went there they encountered it but maybe they don't go to that town. They decide they wanted to go to the big city. And now they're dealing with some political intrigue stuff because there's different factions that are like trying to work to take down the king of this place. There's, and then that can become the big bad guy. This That becomes the big story where it's going because that's what they drew interest in. And maybe they go there and they bounce off of it. And then they go back and they find the dragon again, right? They came yeah. back and that dragon came and destroyed the town. They never went there to save it. Now they just found a town burned to the ground. Now, oh, what's going on here? What happened here? Now they're interested. Now that these things happened off screen, really, because yeah. this world, if you building a living world is what is going to bring your homebrew world to life and give it that okay these things are all happening no matter what you do yeah for example in and the game i play with morgan my my main game like it's there are a lot of things that the party has no idea what is actually happening Mm -hmm. because they're just happening and i'll this may be a little bit of dm craziness but like I, in a way, role play some of these things in my own mind of, is there an interaction, a back alley deal that's happening? Where, or is there a hitman being hired in the city to, you know, this isn't spoiling anything, but yeah, is there like, is there something happening that's like, 
totally away from them because they're not there to deal with it. They're off doing this, their own thing. And now they're going to come back into this situation and things are going to be totally different. And you can always, especially with homebrew worlds, you can always shape the world based on what your characters do. In fact, that's what you should do. So, I mean, we keep using Nathan's uh, campaign as an example, but it's the easiest thing because both of us are in it and we can both, we can speak as a player and as a DM on it. So we found that this group of people were walking away, basically zombified from the city, like a huge group of people. And instead of telling anybody about it, we just kind of decided we were going to fix the problem. And that's going to come back. That's going to come back to bite us. We didn't tell anybody important that a group of people just walked away and now we're trying to follow them. Like, that's going to look suspicious on us, but it's too late to solve it now. So now Nathan can take that and be like, remember how you did this thing and didn't say anything about it? Well, now they suspect you. And I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, You don't have to spoil anything, Nathan, but that's what I feel like is going to happen. But that's the thing. Based off of choices that your characters pick... um, from the very, very beginning, you know, you can shape that world around them. Do they choose to immediately go to the shop when they first arrive in this world that you've created? Well, the shop owner has an issue. Are they going to help the shop owner or are they not? They, If they choose to help the shop owner, well, then that shop owner can shove them on to another quest. If they choose not to help the shop owner, then the shop owner can turn evil against them. (laughs) You know, they can seek revenge. And that doesn't even have to be a BBEG thing either. Um, It could be potentially, but that. Maybe that guy's really spiteful and he hires a hitman to kill one of the players. Right. And then now there's this big battle scene where this elite hitman jumps out of you know an alley and tries like to slit the throat of one of the party members and then where did this guy he maybe they kill him maybe he escapes if he kills him does this does he have correspondence on him or something is there some sort of hint like uh oh you know get this guy at this time you know or something like that and then they're like what do you mean like this guy's a hitman where did he come from why is he here and then you can shape that detail. And then this kind of like creates this, okay, who is this guy that we wronged? And then, like like I said, this is where that the fleshing out really comes from. Well, who's this guy that we wronged? Where did this hitman come from? Yeah. Is there like a thieves guild in this place that like you can just hire a hitman? Like that's crazy. Let's flush that out. Now the players want to go in. Maybe you have a rogue in the party that like, didn't know that in this city because they're not from here that there's this like network of spies and assassins and they're this is awesome now they want to like learn more about it maybe and then maybe they make an ally out of them you know there's there's so many things that can kind of come up from something like that yeah and that's another thing like you have to leave if you're building something homebrew the way that you're going to connect the characters to it and make the characters invested, your player characters, 
is if you can connect their backstories to this world. So that brings up another thing. Do you leave areas open for interpretation by the player's backstories? And my answer is absolutely yes, 100% of the time. Um, You want to be able to connect the character to the story because that's going to keep them invested in what you're building. Um, If you're building something brand new and they have no idea what they're walking into, then it's going to be hard to capture their attention unless you have something that makes it meaningful to them. Um, Yeah. Yeah, because realistically, if you have such a tightly packed map and like world that you can't even put the players into, then you start to limit their involvement in the world. And, you know, we've talked about this, I would say almost probably in every episode, D and D is collaborative storytelling. When you put someone on the rails and say, you have to be from this area because it is the place I designed that you could even be from. It takes them out of it. They're, now it's your story that you have to put on them. Yeah. If I, for example, when we started our game, Morgan said, I said, you know, maybe if you're from this area on the map, you're going to be near this spot because that's what makes sense in my world. But Morgan said she's from this town. It's all Aragonasi people. Cool. Perfect. Now I can flush that out. I can, you know, work with Morgan or by myself to say that this world, this little town exists. Okay. Who, who leads it? What is things that would be interesting? What things happen in this world to be interesting when they come upon it as happened in our last game, they (laughs) came to Morgan's characters, uh, you know, hometown. And there were interesting things that were happening there that they wouldn't have known about without going there and let me tell you it wrecked my world uh <laughs> it was a break morgan session there and it wasn't supposed to be uh <laughs> nope not at all i had i had no int- i had plans for morgan's hometown morgan's character's hometown if if people decide if they did decide to go there but i had no intention that they would be going there that session like no uh, no inclination my notes for like that session i had typed up of like where i thought people were going what details was going to happen encounters things like that i had everything like and nowhere on that sheet did it say anything about maybe they'll go to morgan's hometown yeah no it was it was just straight oversight but I, I had previously done work to flesh out you know morgan's character's hometown so that i pulled that up and it became cool guess what you found all these backstory things and a big punch to the gut oh, a couple town. big punches to the gut in that town that's for sure uh <laughs> i think that was the most awake yeah. i'd ever been for your game um <laughs> not to say he's a bad dm is <laughs> because he has it really late at night for my time um, yeah. Early in the evening for his time, late at night for my time. Uh, but opposite sides of the coast. <laughs> yep, East Coast rap. Um, <laughs> that was really dumb. So late. That was really <laughs> dumb. Um, yeah. So I think we should kind of turn. I'm not even on the East Coast. <laughs> I'm close enough to the East Coast. Let's turn it over to the chat a little bit, guys. Um, what what do you do? Do you 
build homebrew worlds and if you do how do you start do you start with maps do you start with story do you incorporate character backstory uh when you first start building or do you incorporate that as you go uh Alishado says i start with the idea um what and then get into maps okay so you start with the idea of the campaign and then you build the map around it i i do prefer that way uh i think because then i can make sure that plot points i have in my story um get put into the map specifically um and i can kind of arrange the direction i want to push my characters in because you don't want to have a map and then at the northeast corner of the map is where they start and then they go need to go to the southwest corner and then they need to go to the northwest corner and then the southeast corner like you don't you don't want them to i mean maybe you do maybe that is something you want um but usually you don't want them to be having to have these like days of travel across random parts of the map um and i like the idea of places being able to connect the story so you kind of move fluidly through the places as you get to where you need to go yeah i think i think that like having that less directional like flow of like like you're saying just like point to point to point and more reason to point to point to point like i mean realistically the way that like any of this like kind of a game works usually is kind of point to point but it's not just kind of like well you finished the things here so move on it's more like now we have a reason to go somewhere else and maybe we'll have a reason to come back yeah uh solus says if i mentioned loving the idea that matt mercer does about having a list of usable names as well as basic plot hooks behind the screen to pull out at a moment's notice. I love improv and having options just help that. If I don't have a map right away, I just find a basic background image and use theater of the mind. And that's totally cool too. Um, I mean, I have made basic maps in MS Paint and then used theater of the mind for the rest of it. Um, You don't have to make anything fancy um you just have to at least have an idea of what it is um and as far as having like usable names and plot hooks to pull out that's great um you don't have to say this is the order of the story and this is the order we're going in you can say yeah these are all these are the plot ideas i have and depending on what choice the characters make is the choice that i whip out um I yeah. think that's sometimes way better because you don't want to railroad them into any sort of decision. If you have idea A, B, C, D, and instead of going, all right, well, they have to start with idea A and then move on to B and then C and then D, you can say, well, what are you going to do? And the choices they make lead to C. And then they finish C. And then they decide they want to go to A while they finish A and then they go to D. And having that ability to interchange what is going to happen, that's going to help you in the long run, Um, really, if you're able to have that sort of flexibility. Yeah. And 
I, you know, the idea with having these things ready is what, kind of what we talked about earlier about not having everything fleshed out from the start. Having stuff like this ready to go is going to be able to have you take that moment to say, cool, I don't have this ready, but the players are barreling that direction and we're only 10 minutes into the game. We still got three hours to go. Let me pull this without it being that spastic like uh things are happening i don't know what's happening you're in a town it's like you go cool one moment like boom cool you're in this town this is the person you meet there's an inn there's and you can start to put these things up and make them like happen without even seeming like there wasn't a town there before or there wasn't an encounter like you know the the if there seems to be like downtime between the main plot points happening and you need to have a little encounter table where it's like cool like these are going to lead to little little adventure hooks that are going to lead to little side quests like someone you know they're walking down the street and they find a body okay well, how did it get here what happened here you know things like that where it's like cool now there's this little side thing or that can bring a little bit of distraction or a little bit of interest from something else um a couple last things so there's something that nathan had brought to my attention that i think is super cool um and there is a worksheet um from a man named matt colville and might have heard of him <laughs> i've heard of that guy um and he has a fillable pdf where you can outline your campaign you can list like what the world name is what's your starting town the local inn who you meet there um and then you can go on to geography government culture religion um lore things that everybody knows things that very few people know things that no one knows and i think that's an incredible resource especially if you're just starting out building a world because you can double check everything that you have and make sure that if you have all of these boxes filled out you're going to have enough to start the campaign um you might run into a couple problems here and there of things that you need to add or things you need to take away but it's a is an amazing starting point um, for yeah. building a homebrew world. And I'll make sure to find that and put it in the Discord and stuff for everybody. Uh, so come join us on Discord because I'm going to put it in the Discord. Yeah. Thank you to everybody that has joined us. Those of you that are new, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, hop over to our Discord, uh, the Rule of Cold Discord. Let us know. Yeah, remember, link links are just in the Twitch if you're on computer. And if not, uh, check us out on, I'll throw this up to, again, our social media yeah, links. Yeah, all of our uh, socials. Jump over on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, that You'll find the links to our Discord on there. And uh, come hang out with us because we, we are excited to be doing this and we especially on the discord you're going to be able to vote for um, what our topics every week are you're going to be able to um, give us topic ideas to be included in these votes and uh, just kind of in general hang out with us so yeah and we have a couple of like 
follower input categories. So if you have a cool homebrew thing that you want us yeah. to look at and talk about, or if you have a hilarious shenanigan story from a campaign, we have a channel called Shenantics for that. Yeah. So hop on over, throw those things in yeah. there. Maybe we'll talk about your stuff on stream and we will always give proper credit where credit is due. Um, we are not about that stealing life. Um, yeah. And thank you so much for listening and being here. Make sure to leave a review everywhere that you can for the podcast. Yeah, and follow um, us on all the Spotify. I don't think you can do reviews to follow us, you know, give a, give us lots of love. Cause we want, we want to continue to grow and, uh, and we want to know, you know what we can do better. Do well. uh, Cause we can only go yeah. up from here. You can only go up yeah. and we want this to be something that you want to listen to. So make yeah. sure you let us know. Yeah. And the discord is the best place to do that. Come hang out with us on discord yes. for sure. That's the important one. Cause like, that's where I feel, you know, you can, you can contact us on like a lot of the other social stuff, but discord, like you'll have like direct contact with us. Like we can easily message back and forth with you guys and uh, you'll have access to talk to all the mods. They're going to have any information if, if me and Morgan aren't online also. Yeah, and our mods hang out in the stream room uh, during all of our streams. So you can chat with them in voice chat if you would like to um, yeah. while we do our streams. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's going to be everything then. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Yep. Until next time, this has been the Rule of Cool podcast. Thank you so much that's for listening. Bye. And all of our best friends. Let's play D&D, our favorite RPG. Escape your life and play pretend with no real consequences. Let's play D&D.